This week on Priority One, we trek out Picard's production, Jonathan Brakes talks about returning to Riker, the tone of Discovery's third season, and Jason Isaacs takes on fan theories. Then, we tackle another big week in Star Trek gaming news. We talk to Star Trek Online lead designer Al Rivera about the new event system UI and discuss the changes to TFO rewards. Plus, we discuss the latest news about the new patrols and the upcoming event, Halt the Mycelial Crisis, before hearing your listener feedback. RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by GamePrint. We thank them and our patrons for their support of Priority One Podcast. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 428 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly report of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. Recorded live on Tuesday, September 3rd, 2019, and available for download or streaming on Friday, September 6th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kat. And our special guest host this week is Fleet Admiral Winters. Hello, everybody. Winters, thank you so very much for joining us this episode and filling in for Anthony. Absolutely. No problem at all. Absolutely delighted. Before we jump into the news, we want to invite you to join in on the weekly conversations, whether via social media like facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Priority One Pod or by email to incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. We also encourage you to voice your opinions and give us feedback. Just use the voice memo feature from your mobile device and feel free to send that to us via email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Now, Captains, maintaining these features that allow you to provide us feedback would not be possible without the support of our patrons. Listeners like you who support the ongoing production of this show by offering a financial contribution each month. And the cool thing is that Patreon.com allows us to treat our patrons like investors because they help keep us producing. We trust them to help us grow in new and exciting ways. In return for your monthly support, we offer perks that are exclusive to our patrons. From convention codes to extra swag to VIP chat rooms and Discord to entirely different podcasts exclusive to patrons. There's something we offer at any tier you contribute. So visit us at patreon.com forward slash priority one pod and track out how you can become an admiral in the priority one podcast listener fleet. Now, captains, we offer perks like an added show. We have our very own discord channel, but there is one other thing you can do that is a massive help to priority one podcast. And that's sharing our show with your friends. The moment you see that we publish our next episode, be sure to hit that retweet or share button and let your fellow Trekkies know that they can get their weekly news from all around the Star Trek multiverse right here at Priority One. Now, let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. (laughs) 
I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Star Trek is in a bit of a dry spell, at least on film and television. But fear not, the proverbial Doppler is indicating also proverbial rain in our foreseeable could be but not intendly proverbial future. That was a tongue twister. Say that after 10 points. On August 31st, Star Trek Picard writer-showrunner Michael Shabon posted a photo from the legendary Vasquez Rocks with the caption, quote, That's a shooting wrap on season one of Star Trek Picard. There have been so many incredible moments, so many life and career high points, but for a 45-plus-year Star Trek fan, visiting the sacred Gorn-haunted grounds of Arena was a peak, end quote. Star Trek Discovery visual effects supervisor Ante Dekovich also posted to Instagram that same day, saying, quote, That's a wrap on Star Trek Picard. At least the filming part. All is left months of post-production. Thanks, CBS, Michael Shabon, Akiva, Alex Kurtzman, and, of course, Sir Patrick Stewart for the experience. Also, a big thanks to everybody who helped us on set with the VFX. Can't wait for the world to watch the show and get their minds blown. End quote. Star Trek Picard is making progress, and for links to the Instagram posts, check out the show notes. That's not the only Picard talk this week. Taking the stage at Fan Expo Canada, actor-director Jonathan Brakes spoke about his experience stepping back into the role of William T. Riker. And what he had to say may surprise you. I hadn't acted in a long, long time long time. I hadn't played Riker for 18 years, and I've been very fortunate to be busy directing. I acted briefly in a movie in Winnipeg about 10 years ago, and I had a major anxiety attack because, for whatever reason, and I forgot how to act, I forgot my lines, and it was not a pretty picture for a few hours. I got my together and ended up doing fine, but I knew having, I had just directed two episodes of Picard with Sir Patrick, and as I said, his acting muscle was well-toned. And Marina had just closed having starred in a play on the West End in London. So I knew she was going to be in good form. So I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> it ended up going very well. But don't let anybody tell you it's like getting back in a fight. That's bull****. That's acting bull****. During Freak's time on stage at Fan Expo Canada, a fan asked about another Star Trek series, Discovery. More specifically, the fan asked if the darker tone of Discovery's first season would continue going forward. Frakes responded saying, I can tell you this much about season three of uh, Discovery. It is, in fact, much more optimistic. After Gene died, some of the writers decided that uh, Deep Space Nine should maybe take a different tone, which I think it did to certain degrees of, of, of success. And the optimism that Gene infused in all of his shows and in all of us may not be as obvious as it once was, but it's certainly the driving force of his vision and the franchise. And Kurtzman and all the people who run our shows are very conscious that that canon is important to all of you and to all of us. Uh, JJ's movies, I thought, were very uplifting and wonderful. Stole, told stories. And, you know, they had... There needs to be conflict to make drama. So I'm... I'm here to share that uh, Discovery certainly is taking a more optimistic, traditional Star Trek approach in next season. So with them wrapping up shooting, filming 
of season one of Picard, they have said before that it, on average it takes about eight months for post-production on an episode, right? So for episode one, they probably have a lot of that done, and we will probably see Picard in the first quarter of 2020. What do you guys think? Is that, is that for real? Eight months on a single? That can't be right. Uh, that's that's the that's the going. That has rate to be a season. Said. No, no, an episode in terms of post production and VFX can take, yeah. or maybe it was eight weeks. I don't know. Now I don't remember. I know it was a long time though. For yeah. like sure, eight months is really. It can't be eight months per episode though. Maybe like the whole season in total. What I'm hoping is that they will announce a release date at New York Comic Con in October. That's what I'm hoping. Oh, that'd be cool. Oh yeah. That's coming up. That brings us to our first community question this week. Which approach to Star Trek storytelling do you prefer? Morality plays, an optimistic approach, a darker tone, action-packed, thoughtful? Let us know. That's right. Let us know in the comment section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or be sure to follow us on social media where we post our community questions the Monday before our show. So be sure to reply there. Discovery's first on-screen captain, Gabriel Lorca, may be gone or he may not be. Real-life Lorca Jason Isaacs sat down with Sci-Fi Wire to talk about the cancellation of the Netflix series The OA as well as some of Isaac's other iconic projects. When asked about fan theories and whether he pays attention to them, Isaacs replied, quote, The sensible and cool thing is to say, no, I just do the work and move on, but the answer is I read every single punctuation mark and syllable. It's exciting to know that people are as engaged imaginatively in the show as we were when we were making it, and particularly the projects I care about. The last years, I've been blessed to be in a bunch of stuff I thought was great. I've been in plenty of stuff I thought was mediocre or instantly dismissible. But with Star Trek and the OA and the Potters and stuff, I'm continually excited and inspired by how much it's engaged people, end quote. In regards to his thoughts on Lorca's whereabouts, Isaac stated, quote, People want to know where's Prime Lorca because Mirror Lorca swapped, so obviously Prime Lorca somewhere. Did he die? Is he alive? Will we ever see him again? The answer is it's Star Trek. If you know anything about Star Trek, everything is possible. It should happen when people least expect it. End quote. The interview has some great insight. Be sure to check out the show notes. And yes, please come back, Prime Lorca. Or Mira Lorca. <laughs> He's been in quite a bit of science fiction now, and he does well with everything. Oh he does. man, do you watch the OA? The OA is amazing. I didn't see the OA, but I saw Awake. Oh yeah, that one was good. That one was interesting. Yeah, I would love to see Prime Lorca in some way, and and see how he plays him, the way he did in Star Trek Online. Just you know, instead of voicing, being the character himself. Was it Prime Lorca in Star Trek Online? In the beginning, I think it was Prime Lorca for sure, and then and then the switch happened. The old switcheroo happened. So by the end of it, it's it's evil Mirror Lorca. All right, yeah, Mirror Lorca. Well, captains, that's all the news we have to trek out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Captains, like last week, there's a lot to unpack this week for Star Trek Online as we gear up for the latest expansion for Star Trek Online, Awakening. So we're going to go through the headlines, give you the update, and then go back and offer our review and feedback and commentary. 
Over the course of the last week, Cryptic has been sharing news about each of the five new Beta Quadrant patrols that will launch with Awakening. At the time of writing, three of the five patrols have been announced. Each of the new patrols will become available to players after completion of the new Beneath the Skin episode. Here are brief descriptions of those new patrols. Sentinels. Deploy defense satellites to protect an unarmed research facility studying P. Stellavatori in the Donatu system. Rescue and search. Defend a Lucari research fleet from attack by House Mokai near Mycelial Rift in the Kern system and deal with the unstable rift. Within the Briars. Brave deadly Metreon gas pockets to defend spore colonies in the Briar Patch from House Mokai. Along with the new patrol announcements, Cryptic have published the first information on a new task force operation that will launch with Awakenings. It's called Mycelial Realm, and it sees captains crossing over into the Mycelial Network to stop Ja'ula from powering her helical torsion weapon. Here's what the blog has to say alongside an image of several Alachi in the Mycelial Realm. Quote, In Mycelial Realm, our newest task force operation stepped through a rift and into the Mycelial Network and shut down the Klingon probes that are gathering spores for Ja'ula's weapon. But the probes cannot be destroyed by conventional means, at least not without harming the network itself. And you'll have to use whatever and whoever you find in there to help you disable them. End quote. And that brings us full circle to the details of the event changes teased last week by Joanna Giannolis. Awakening's new event, the Mycelial Crisis, is a new type of event which pulls together all of the new content and gives players the choice of how to progress. The core feature of the new event system is the removal of event tokens as a means of progression, replacing the tokens with automatically tracked progress points. Every time you play the event episode Beneath the Skin, the event TFO Mycelial Realm, or any of the five event patrols under Mycelial Operations, you will earn progress points. The episode itself rewards 45 points. The TFO rewards 30 points, and the patrols each reward 15 points. Captains can earn up to 60 progress points every 20 hours. Choose whatever combination of event content you prefer to progress toward completion. Earning 1,200 progress points during the event will account unlock the grand prize, a T6 Ilachi Kulash frigate. Additionally, completing the event will unlock the following items once per account. 8. Alachi Disruptor Weapon Packs, as seen in the Alachi Lockbox, and 3. Ultimate Tech Upgrades, which instantly upgrade an item to max level and quality. Once you've completed the grand prize, continuing to earn progress points will earn bonus rewards. Each time you reach the daily limit of 60 progress points, you will earn Dilithium Ore. The first bonus reward grants 5,000 dilithium ore, and each subsequent day's reward scales upward from there. Players who prefer to instantly unlock the grand prize rewards may be interested in the announced Zen buyout option. This option will now behave slightly differently than in previous events, as the price of the buyout is scaled proportionately to your current progress in the event completion. Purchasing the buyout with no event progress will cost 6 thousand zen in the c-store if you've earned 600 progress points the buyout costs 3000 zen and so on 
Cryptic have also announced a second chance interface to preserve progress in the event after its end. Within this interface, captains can choose to purchase the buyout option at any time after the event has ended for the Zen price appropriate to their progress. For all details on this week's many announcements from STO Awakenings, check out the blog link in our show notes. Well, there's certainly a lot to unpack this week. But before we bring in our special guest to help address community questions, we need to take a moment to thank our sponsor, GamePrint, the company that allows you to 3D print your starship from Star Trek Online. Completely customizable. And even if you don't play Star Trek Online, you can visit GamePrint.net to explore their extensive library of ships that have already been uploaded by players. The best part is you can change the registry number and the name of the ship. And with their latest update to the website, you can now sort by Starship Class to help narrow down your search. So build your armada to display proudly on your desk, at home, work, or wherever you showcase your Star Trek memorabilia. Just visit GamePrint.net, and of course, we thank them for their support of Priority One. Security clearance level three or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Sisko. Authorization, Sisko Alpha One Alpha. Logs accessed. Captains, we are delighted to have with us today Star Trek Online's lead designer, Al, Captain Gecko Rivera, to talk about all of the changes coming to Star Trek Online with the mycelial event just a week away. Al, thank you so very much for joining us. Hello there. Thanks for having me. I uh, I saw that on one of your last shows, you, you seemed to have some questions about it, and there seems to be some questions about the system, and so I thought I'd pop on and, and answer any questions people may have. Well, thank you. Thank you so very much. All right, so let's jump in, right? I think probably one of the headlines and blog posts that stirred the most reaction from the community were, were the changes to the way events are going to be handled both in the UI and just in progression for Star Trek Online with the mycelial event. I want to ask how this mycelial event differs from seasonal events or what you've referred to before as tentpole events. Where does this mycelial event happening next week land? Um, well, tentpole events is just kind of a term we use for making sure something happens every so often between seasons to keep people interested, you know, and engaged in playing and that there's something interesting to do. So it's, it's, it doesn't refer to anything particular, what we, what that might be. It could be a, an episode that comes out or a, a feature TFO or a red alert kind of thing or something like that. So it's, it's, it's just a general term for, hey, we, we, you know, it's been a long time since we've had a big release. Let's get something out to, to keep people excited. We're basically kind of starting over. So we used to do events. We had the reputation systems. I think I've talked about this a little before. We had the reputation systems, and then that wasn't easy. And we wanted to do an event many years ago, and I can't remember when. And says, well, we could just use the reputation system to to do that, and that was just an easy thing to do. And it was just kind of a I don't want to say a band aid, but it was a, it was the resources we had. It didn't require anyone to do any technology, so we just used the reputation system to to make an event. That worked, but then we just kind of like happens all the time. It's just like, well, we just you just did it again, and we kept doing it again, and then it really wasn't the right tool for what we what we needed to do. But we just kind of started doing it because that's how we always did it. Um, we realized that it was too clumsy and too cumbersome, and and 
it's just kind of a mess the old way for a player to come in, especially a new player, and say that they have to play this content. They have to find the event UI. They have to find the event UI within the reputation system. They have to then find the event on their own to do whatever that might be, uh, whether it's going to the Winter Wonderland or playing a feature TFO. And then they had to earn these t these tokens that would appear in their backpack, and then they'd have to slot them in the event and then wait for it. And it was a complicated system. It's just, it's not accessible. And, and I heard, Cat, uh, uh, you accidentally deleted an event, right? And you may not have enough event slots to do the next event. And whether it rolls over was confusing. And there's just a lot of complexity to it and maybe you didn't actually slot the things but you kept doing the projects and you didn't didn't slot anything so we wanted to take all of those barriers of entry away and so we've made this new system it will exist in the journal UI so if you if you hit the J key that's where the mission journal so it will exist in there uh, also when you get, get to the game it'll be on the landing page it'll be a uh, we'll call them smart ads that we we'll click on it'll take you right to the right to there so so everyone will know where to go on day one you just click it and you'll go right there and it has its own UI I've been working for a very very long time on how to build this this system it's very modular for us to change it to have different style events um, so for instance maybe we'll do another you know we'll do a, a summer event would appear in here or a feature TFO event might appear in here or maybe we'll make something new like uh, a playlist event might happen um, or a patrol event or an event that is a, a battle zone event. It all, the, the system is modular for us to go ahead and make different style of events so we don't have to keep doing the same feature TFO style event all the time. And it's just really easy to make a couple new widgets here and there and boom, we have a new event. But basically, that's just the overview is that we want to make something that was very accessible, that you just come in and you, you, you come to this UI and in this UI, you can go access the event. So right now you can go and if you were, if it was a summer event, it would take you right to the summer event map. If it was a feature TFO, it would take you right to the TFO. Um, whatever it is, you can access it right there. As soon as you do the content, you'll earn progress and it's all tracked right there and your reward is claimed right there and you don't have to put in any special tokens to, to, to do it. It just automatically tracks your progress and there's a nice big clean progress bar. There's nothing to keep track of. It's all tracked for you and all the information about the event, how to access the event is there, how to claim the prize is there, what the prize is. Is, it's all in that UI. It's really slick, um, so I'm really happy about it. So all events moving forward at this point will go through this new system. So we're talking about the the anniversary events, winter events, summer events. This will all be treated now through this new UI. Yes, the old UI will technically still be there. We're going to, as we've done before, we're going to we're going to close out all the old events so that way. If, you, if you've got partial progress, we're going to give you full progress to everything. So you'll get whatever is, is, is not complete, you'll just get. And once you claim all the prizes for the old events, then that UI will go away. But it will sit there until you've claimed everything. We'll, you know, we'll auto-complete everything for, for anybody. So then once you've claimed them all, then that's gone. And then we won't use that system anymore. Um, and then everything will run through, through here. Every time we do an event, the... the the widget in there may look a little different based on what you know what the event might be, but they'll basically have a very similar format. For instance, this mycelium event is different, something we haven't done before. In this mycelium event, you can either play the TFO, or you can play the patrols, or you can play the episode, and any one of them will give you progress towards the event. 
you have a daily limit of how much you can contribute. But if you want to play the episode, you can play the episode. If you want to play TFO, you can play TFO. If you want to play patrols, you can play the patrols. And each one's worth a certain number of points. Patrols are worth the least points because they're the fastest. And the episode, I think, is worth the most points because it takes the longest. And if you hit patrols, it'll pop up a list of which patrol you want to go to. And we'll take you right to that patrol. Specifically, the patrols related to this event, like the Delta patrols, will not be part of that. You can still play Delta patrols in the patrol UI, but this is specifically the mycelial ones. And you will then earn, and so you can just access them all right from this menu, and it'll take you, it'll queue you up for the TFO, it'll take you right to the patrol, or it will grant you the mission, and then you can transwarp right to the mission. So it's all accessed right through here. If it was a feature TFO, it would just have the feature TFO in there, and not the other pieces, and you can just queue up right for the feature TFO right there. Like we've talked about doing a playlist every day, a different thing to do. Maybe a different patrol, or a different TFO, or a different episode. Every day, something to do as, a, as an event, and then it would update every day. So you can just do that. That might be a future event one day. Is that something you think might replace something like the Endeavor system, or is this just... Oh, no, it's not going to replace the Endeavor system. In fact, there are endeavors to do to do some of this content. So the Endeavor system, is, is, it's, that's, that's just, that will always exist, and we'll keep adding to that Endeavor system. That's just kind of a... Uh, so this is, it wouldn't, it's not meant to replace that. It is uh, uh, not at all. Uh, just to go back on something that you, you uh, talked about there a minute or two ago, uh, specifically for, let's say, seasonal events, uh, the winter event, the summer event, uh, you said that you're going to auto-complete. It, 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 does that include those events, for the auto-completions? The old ones, yeah, the old ones, yeah. yeah. So if there was a player uh, like um, Vice Admiral Jason in the Priority One Armada who was not able to get in this year for the summer event, but got in at the tail end of it, mm-hmm. he slotted the project mm-hmm. and was hoping to finish it out next year, that will be auto-completed for him. Correct. Awesome. That's That's very very reassuring yeah we're not gonna if, if you hadn't if you didn't slot it we can't help you right but as long as you've slotted it mm-hmm. um i believe i believe as long as you slot it maybe you have to do one day's progress but i'm 99 percent sure you just have to have it slotted and we're right. just going to give it to you okay okay yeah th- yeah so don't delete your events and you'll have to claim them you have to claim the prizes but they'll just be completed kind of on that as well then um say a similar situation under the new system how would that work I miss the majority of the event, and I get in the last day. Mm-hmm. Is there a project that I slot? Yeah. Like, can I finish it next year? How, There's no slotting this- project, but that's a really good question. So how this is going to work is that if you start, let's say this newest event is going to run for 30 days. And that's one thing I should mention is that each one of this, this system is designed that the, the, the time may vary, right? There may be 30-day events. There may be two-week events. There may be six-week events. It's, it's, it'll vary however you want to do it. Mm-hmm. But this, this event is a 30-day event. Let's say you start on day 29. At that point, well, first of all, at any point, you can buy out, you can buy out the event. Okay. You could always, you know, you could do that with with other events, but this in this case you don't have to buy, go to the store and buy a set of tokens which then you slot. You can just buy right from the event. But more importantly, it's completely prorated. So you don't have to buy a package of 10 widgets that you had to buy before and then spend whatever nine of them or 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 six of them or have to buy two packages and spend you know 14 of them it's prorated so if you you get halfway through then the price is is half price mm-hmm. if you if you get if you if you don't spend to play at all you have to pay you know full price um, and if you just can't quite finish it have a couple days left you can just spend a couple bucks and 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 the price is, is updated on the fly daily or it's based on your progress now if you play the event and let's say you you either play one day, whether it's the first day or the last day, 
okay? And then the event's over. You didn't buy out, you didn't complete, the event's just over, and now the event, there's nothing, maybe there's like a day or a couple of days you have no events, or it's immediately into the next event. What happens is, your progress is saved. So we take that, whatever that reward was, say if it was a beacon of Kalis, or in this case, an Alachi ship, it goes into a second chance store, which is accessible right on the UI. And then you can go on, click that second chance store, and then the item that was from that event that you made one, one, at least one day of progress will be listed there at the prorated rate. So in other words, if you put a day's end, then you, only, then you can buy it for, you know, minus one day. And it will stay there for some amount of time I don't know, a month, three months, something, until... It's not indefinitely there. That second chance button is... It won't indefinitely be there, but it will be there for a long time. It'll be there for a month or three or something. We haven't really determined how long. More than a week, right? At least a month. And so it will, we will keep and remember your progress. So at any time, like, oh, I didn't finish the event, you can then, you can buy it out. There's also, since this is account unlocked, there's also a reclaim store option. So once you complete an event or buy out or buy out in second chance, it is now available for all your characters and all, on your account in perpetuity. You can then go in and claim it at any time. So make an account, make a character in, uh, in three years from now, you can go to second chance store and claim all the store, all the items that your previous character had uh, completed all in the same UI. I think that's pretty much it as far as the, ca the different cases that could happen. If you come in and have never played the event, I believe we still will even have the items in the second chance store with zero completion. In other words, it would be full price for a limited time. So you can like completely come in on day 31 and completely miss the event. I think the item is actually going to be in there still, but it would be full price to purchase if you want it. But you will always remember your progress. So I think that some of the player pushback, community pushback, is the fact that you know you, you weren't able to stockpile these tokens for next year's event, right? Or right. And, and in some cases, stockpile them because it was a buffer. You know, God forbid somebody was unable to play the, the 20 days, right? What do you say to, to those players that, that have that concern that, that they can no longer stockpile these tokens for a rainy day? Well, I think that was, I think that was, we're, we're re-looking at the entire system entirely by making, you know, we had other, we had problems with the old system and this is taking a very different approach. We're, we're trying to move away from the stockpiling because people are able to abuse that. Well, I'll just stockpile and then when the thing that comes out that they want, then they can just cash in. What we really want you to do, the whole point of events is everyone to participate together on the same thing when it's available. And everyone gets a fresh start at the same time and even the, and levels the playing field and everyone can then can you know either buy out pay or play to get that item and you don't get to roll things over it is a change in the system but we've done we've done other things as far as like you no longer have to play it on multiple accounts to keep it's it's you now unlock it in perpetuity the item doesn't go away if you miss the event it's going to be in the store so you can other people can participate if you missed it you can just go and just get it from the second chance store later when you finish the event whether you finish it early like day one i just bought it out or if you play for in this case 20 days and finish at 20 or somewhere in between you finish 10 days and you buy out 10 days worth we immediately go into a daily now we had this daily before but very few people even realize it exists there will there'll be this daily the ui will shift and change and now you have this daily where you can every day earn dilithium 
all the numbers are subject to change, but I'll start with the current numbers. Like day one, as soon as you finish the project, the first thing you can do is like you can play the you can play the event again on that same day, and they're in 2,500 dilithium. As soon as you earn that, the next day the event's 5,000. The next day after that is 1,250. It keeps going up to I think 25,000 a day. So you can keep earning more, and every day the amount of dilithium you can do by doing the event daily keeps going up, and it resets every 20 hours. We usually use 20 hours, and so you can keep claiming that over and over again. So if you can, you can earn a lot of dilithium if you start if you start early at 20. You can basically start earning 25,000 a day within a few days. So we're we're adding other incentives into here and just making the whole thing just generally easier and making sure that when people finish the event, they still have reasons to continue to play. Kat, you said that uh, Jeremy made a comment on the live stream regarding that dilithium. He did, and then he you know, updated the number on Twitter, but he said the max you could earn would be 637,500 dilithium if you bought it on day one. Yeah, if you buy on day one and then play every day for 30 days for this particular event, yeah, you could, that sounds about right. He would know the numbers better than me. You can earn quite a bit of, quite a bit of dilithium if you, if you participate fully. And that's, that's there on purpose. I mean, the whole point of these events is to have incentives to keep playing every day and give you rewards for that as opposed to no, I'm going to put this in a gift certificate and use it when I'm ready or when, when the thing that I want is available. Um, that really isn't the incentive we were looking for for these events. We want to make these a thing. And if you do them, then you get the reward. And then next week, there's, you know, next month, there's a whole different event. And that's, and we want you to play that one too. Um, rolling over is just, it was working against us, is working against the game. And it wasn't, it wasn't bringing everyone together the way we wanted to. The other question that seems to be spawning from the the new event system is the buyout price and then how that also relates to dilithium so as of right now the number that we've seen for to buy out is six thousand zen which is roughly about sixty dollars mm-hmm. now in in events past the buyout was about two thousand four hundred or so zen yeah but that was for a but that was for an item like a beacon of Kalos. this is for a starship right right so talk to us a little bit about settling on that 6,000 Zen and and presenting that to the players. We're launching this event with a ship, so we're making a, you know, it's a big deal. And so, I th- you know, we're, we looked at a lot of different things. So, for instance, what are the precedents? We had items before for three-week events. For two weeks of participation, you get an item. Um, we know that in a summer event or winter event, you could get a ship but to buy out, you had to spend low buy. It's a lot more than $60 worth of low buy to buy those pictures of Q in order to buy out a starship, okay? So this is far, far cheaper than summer or winter event ships. Um, it's also, the other precedence would be the, the meta event, which was three, three events in a row that you'd have to do in order to get the free shipped coupon. If you take all those in consideration, this is, we felt like a fair price point because we're not selling a starship. We're not putting it here. We don't want like, here's a starship and it's $30. If we can do that, we just put it in the store, right? Hope you just put it in the sea store. We just put the lot, there's no point on tying an event to it. We want to incentivize people to play for a little while and then they pick the point in which they want this premium item. They can play all the way through and earn it for free or they can play it halfway through and then they can just buy it at a regular price 
Pirates. Plus, you're still getting a whole set of, I can't remember if it was purple or ultraviolet gear that comes with the ship, as well as the 25,000 dilithium. I can't remember the exact numbers again, so I apologize. I don't have those in front of me, plus some some other stuff that were that, that was in there. Tech upgrades. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ultimate tech upgrades. Those are awesome. So there's a lot of other value items that are in there. Then, of course, the more you spend, the more access to that 600,000 dilithium you have, you know, you have access to. Um, so there's a lot of moving parts in consideration there as far as it's not just buying the ship. You're buying, you're, we're giving you a free ship, but we want you to play the event. But if you, but there's the other prizes that come with it. There's comparing it to the summer event, the meta event. There's the 600,000 dilithium that you could potentially earn to go with it the, er- the, the earlier you spent. Those are a lot of moving parts. And so there's a lot of math and there's some subjectivity to that. And we felt that this was a fair a fair price and at the in the end it's really a free ship if you just participate um, and if it's you can't participate like everything else in the game it's you can buy out or you can choose the price that you feel is fair to you if you pay you know in 30 days if you play for 20 days it's a pretty significant discount let's say you spend I'll do napkin math if you spend 10 days it's going to be $30 if you spend 15 days and it'll be $20 $15 or something or something like that yeah, I don't have an app. So, and of course, you do 20 days and it's free. I, I want to phrase this question carefully because I, I think back to, you know, people talking about, okay, so it's $60 for the buyout. The 600,000 dilithium uh, right now roughly translates to about, given the current exchange rate, roughly translates to about 1,500 zen. Uh-huh, yeah. I think players see a gap there, right? That that even if they earn the dilithium, it, it's still a fraction of that of that six thousand. And I think I keep thinking about the player saying, Oh, but you know, I, I stored those tokens for the rainy day scenario kind of thing. I, I guess the easiest way I can phrase the question is why not uh, you know, make it the dilithium earning worth half of the buyout so to speak you, 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 do you understand am i phrasing the question properly well it's not it's i mean it's we're not trying to make a retail purchase here we're not selling dilithium at a one-to-one rate we want you to play the events and so we, we the, the point of getting this is to is to play if you're buying out you're not playing and that's not the incentive we want we want you to play we want you in the game we want you to participate if it was just retail then would we just put it into the c store and then we just charge thirty dollars Plus, plus whatever five or five or ten bucks for 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 the dilithium. But we're not in. The, or we we don't want to ever create a one to one ratio where people can just go and just buy dilithium at an exchange rate price in the C store. That's dangerous for the economy. This is not any different, you know, than than say the winter summer event store was never a retail price in the summer event store. It was obfuscated through low buy, but it was far more than $60 worth of low buy to buy out those ships, right? And it was far more than $60 for the ship meta. And so they are incentive. They, these, these are not sea store offerings. These are event offerings that will be free if you participate and or you pick the price that you think is that you want to that you want to get into. So it is a sliding scale, and even with the old featured TFO, you had to buy a pack of ten. You had to buy, there was a minimum price that you had to pay, and you could save them for later. But now you don't, since it's a sliding scale. You could just spend a buck if you're just a day short. So 
we feel that this is a very fair and reasonable approach. It is a very accessible approach. It is also, again, it is a it is an account unlocked ship that is available in perpetuity that you can always reclaim. That's a lot of value that didn't always exist. This is not a retail C store item. This is an event item that is, you know, at a far discounted price compared to ship meta and summer event ships. It's far discounted. We want you to play. If you love Star Trek Online, you should want to play. <laughs> I agree. And and what I like about it is that I feel like this caters, these changes cater to players like me, right? The, the, the players that definitely, yeah, sure, they'll log in from time to time to check up and make sure everything is still in its place, but really come in and play these, these major events, play the storyline. And I may not have 20 consecutive days or 30 consecutive days to go in, but if I have that spare cash, I'm going to buy out the rest, right? Even with the patrols, the, 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 way you, the way that patrols are not being handled, again, cater towards the casual player that wants to go in, pew pew, and get out, you know, without having to worry about sector space. So from that casual gamer perspective, I, can, I wholeheartedly can say that I enjoy these changes. Uh, making it making that barrier to entry much shorter. Exactly. And speaking of patrols, you know, patrols are basically designed to be a. Is there an instant action, high action, um, high reward, repeatable, solo friendly experience? They're all about eight minutes. They're they're really hitting about that target. I'm sure people will get faster at them, um, but they're about eight, seven or eight minutes. You just click them and you go and you play instant action. You don't have to queue up. You don't have to wait for other players. Um, they all support a backstory of what of what they're about. So the, the, these are like supporting the mycelium event. If it, if you play the episode first, the patrols will make more sense. If you just go right into patrols, you'll kind of miss the story. But if you care about story, play the episode first, and then the patrols. Just play them right. The journal actually has the patrols in them to kind of tell you in a good order that they involve there. There's no cutscenes. There's no heavy narrative, but they're supporting the backstory of what's going on during this event. And so we'll continue doing that, you know, going forward. Um, so they're really fun. As far as the, the event itself and, and, and the way this, this event is working, you know, let's say the event runs for 30 days. Let's say you play three days a week, right? So it's like 12 days in a month that if we do that times, let's see. So it's like, what's that? I'm trying to do some, some quick math. Pat can so, help you out there. She's uh, good at so. math. Oh my god, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's like 60 divide, you know, uh, 20. If you play three days a week, which is really the average, that the average player plays about three days a week, about two hours a day. That's just kind of typical average gameplay session for, for an average player. So you play three days a week. For 30 days, you play, you'd get 12 days into the event. That would give you, that would give you a buyout of $24. And so that's that's below retail price for the ship, plus plus the dilithium and the up tech upgrades and all the and whatever goodies that are also in there. That's a minimal entry point, and so that makes it very accessible for the casual player. And if you obviously if you play a couple days every day, you play, you get three dollars off. That's basically what it works out to. If I just did some quick math. Now, I, so I, I'm noticing these things, right? These the, the change to the patrols and how patrols are handled, and you know the the changes to the UI and these events. Are, are these features? They seem to be to be moving away even more so from the 
old MMO tropes of years past, right? Where it would take 30 minutes just to ride your pet, you know, or fly to the other end of the map just to complete a mission. Whereas now with Star Trek Online, it's, you know, in the UI at the, at the click of a button. Is that a conscious move for Star Trek Online moving forward is to... to... I think that's a, been a conscious move that we've been moving towards for years. Um, I mean, crafting, you, you used to have to go to Memory Alpha to go crafting, right? And so now crafting's a UI. But, you know, you used to have to fly up to the doors to do what we now call TFOs. And now, you, now and then later we added a UI for that. And we've moved more and more of those to accessibility points. I think a lot of MMOs are, are going there. We want people want to come in, they have limited time and they just want to play. And you can engage in as much role playing as you'd like, but if you just want to just play some action, if you want to play engage in the world, you can just do that. Truth be told, I think new players We'll still probably use sector space because that's how we teach you. You just and and patrols and TFOs are not really a part of. I mean, you can access them pretty early, but we don't push you towards that. We want to push you towards a narrative. So for the most part, you're still going to be traveling sector space. You're still going to be going through you know through social maps to go back and you know buy your gear. And and there'll always be a a need for social maps. They'll probably always have a your bank will always be at a social map because if you can just assets it from anywhere, then you might as well just get rid of the concept of a bank and just make it a shared inventory. There's a value both on gameplay and on server capacity just to have a bank, not so you don't have items on you. It just takes memory. So there'll always be some reasons for social maps outside of role-playing. Of course, there's role-playing that will always be a part of it. But yeah, for the most part, I think players will will first start using more traditional systems and then as they engage in the game more, the end game, I've done it. I've done the exploring. I've done the flying around. I've done the sector space. Now I'm just coming in for my session. I've made my friends. I know how to access my friends. Um, we don't need to introduce, you know, force you to do these these things that are basically work, right? Their their time and and people's time is valuable, so they can spend their time playing their accessing their missions. Trans- now you can just transwarp to missions, right? Or you can just go to the patrol or go to the TFO. And I think a lot of people also like myself. I just hang out at Earth Space Dock while I do all these things. So I'm seeing people anyway. So yeah, it is it is something that we've been moving to for a while. I don't think it's new. I, I think there's been two general things that we've been moving towards is this kind of accessibility, making things very, you know accessible as much as possible, as well as moving more and more towards treating the account as the customer as opposed to the character as the customer. This is this is a move in it. This is an account-based system. You can do part of your work on one character and then move to another character and continue your work on another character. You don't have to keep doing it all in one character. That's another great advantage of the system. You can do partial part of your work on one day and compl- and then move into another character and then play another patrol and it will make progress on the same system. Or the next day, go on a whole other character. Again, creating the account as the as the customer as opposed to the character. So I saw the new UI today for the events tab and I really liked, and I think you just mentioned a little while ago that now you can reclaim all the event rewards and all the things in one, it'll be in one spot now so we don't have to go to the dilithium store and then look under the events tab and all of that. So now it's just all there. That's great. Mm-hmm. So convenient. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and one, one thing you don't see is the second chance tour because there technically isn't a second chance thing yet. So when this event is over, if you haven't claimed your award, then there'll be a new a new button because it's hidden. If there's nothing in it, um, there'll be a second chance tour button that will also be right above the reclaim the reclaim button. So it's, that's all right there. 
and the purchase is right there, right? You don't have to go to the C store, you know, you don't have to go to this, or, you know, we're trying to call it the Z store, the Zen store. Um, you don't have to go to that store and, and then find the buyout item and then slot the item. It's all just right there in this one button and that will automatically just update your prorated price right there. Yeah, it's it's a really slick UI. I've been working really hard on it. I think we're really, it's going to bring a lot more people into the events because it's just much more accessible and, and they won't, I think a lot of people got lost not knowing what to do, um, how to participate, where to find the events, where to find, where to slot their progress, how to claim. I bet most people didn't even know that there was a dilithium daily after the event. The old one, I think, was 5,000 a day. It was just a flat rate. So in our new one now, keeps escalating trying to encourage you every day it's worth more and it's worth more it's worth more your time becomes very very valuable after a few days i'm kind of going back again to uh, when you were laying out your objectives for designing the system did you have any secondary objectives while designing this um maybe particularly referring to the dilithium exchange because it looks like under this new system it's going to pull out a fairly significant amount of dilithium out of the market and may actually reduce the price of Zen on the dilithium exchange. Was that a consideration at all? I mean, any time we're dealing with dilithium, it's a consideration and we, you know, and we actually started talking about how we want to make sure that there are, are more dilithium sinks going forward mm -hmm. and, try, and so that is a kind of separate side project. It wasn't a secondary goal. It was certainly something that we were mindful of and we kind of had some breakout meetings and breakout discussions about how we're going to address that. We want to make sure we keep an eye on the economy. But to be all honestly, we, we it's fairly balanced the way it was before. I think this is we basically socialized dilithium. So what I mean by that is that previously, because some players could play the events on multiple accounts and earn a lot of dilithium, there was a very small number of people that were earning a lot of dilithium, right? It was a very small number of people because some people have like whatever, 30 or 40 accounts for the characters. They just replay that and just earn a ton. Um, and then you had the majority of people were just doing it once. The average was 1.8. That's basically what we found. The average number of people earned, earned 1.8 times per event but it's a really really sharp curve this basically says okay that was our target that was our objective it's like making sure that the amount of dilithium going to the economy was about that amount and we basically worked the math backwards from there ensuring that the average player then got a lot more dilithium than they could before and it's so kind of that's what i mean by like kind of socializing dilithium we just kind of distributed the wealth a little more even evenly as opposed to a small number of people that were earning that were high that were high earners right the real the, the, the real goal of this was just make it simpler. That's like the number one goal. Make this simpler and accessible, okay? The second goal is how do we engage people more, right? And, and that kind of goes back to the question about, you know, whether or not they could hold or roll over things. That wasn't really meeting that goal of engaging people more. And so making sure that people turned out for the event and that if you turn out for the event, you can earn this and you can earn this easily and cleanly and fairly. And then if you finished early, we gave you the second chance, you know, we get you the second daily to try to encourage you to stay even more by like, by encouraging you out. Wow, here's 2,500, now it's 5,000, now it's 10,000, now it's 15,000. And so that's just like, instead of just playing the events and I'm done or buying the events and I'm done, because you could see the curves, like, you know, people would, you know, they play a lot and then they, and then you have people spending and then they stop. Right. So, well, how can we keep that curve higher and keep people playing more even after they've paid and completed? So those were, those are really the, the main goals that we were trying to accomplish. And I, I think we did a good job, which is I'm really, I'm, I'm really excited about. Right. And the content's really good. The 
the TFO is exciting. The patrols are super exciting, super accessible. And we want to, in this particular event, I remember, you know, we see some people who say, well, I want to be able to, I don't want to do TFOs for the event. I like doing the featured episodes. I want to be able to play an episode all the time. And some people are like, well, you know, TFOs, I'm tired of having to do TFO all the time for the event. And we'll always have featured TFOs as a style of event, but this this now gives us the ability to mix it up. So you can do TFOs, you can do episodes, or now you can do patrols, high action stuff. And so you can choose how you want to participate in this particular event. We'll probably have a featured TFO event coming up right after this one. Um, and then maybe the one after that we'll do some try something new. Uh, a patrol event or a playlist event or whatever. Right? We have the ability to mix things up and have things at different durations um, and, diff- and different things. Yeah. That actually leads on nicely to the next qu- uh, question that I have. Are you concerned at all that players might get burnout with the not the consistency of these feature TFO events that there have been, but you know how quickly you go from one to the other. There's generally been a week of a gap. You know, one week, seven days, and then you're into another feature TFO event. Is that something that you're concerned about, or you know, have you thought about it? Are you looking at numbers, or uh, uh, well, that you probably can't look at numbers for that, but well, we can look at numbers for that. I mean, that's exactly our numbers are telling me that they're that. That's not the case. In, in, in all actuality, participation in events have just has gone up right. over, you know, there's no data evidence of, of burnout on events. You don't have to play an event. There's nothing saying you have to play an event if you, you know, and of course now you can just buy out and buy out quite easily. Participation in events have just continued to increase. Um, and I think it's probably, it's probably because people are kind of, are, at first didn't learn didn't know them or didn't understand them and and so now it's, it's becoming more tribal knowledge and becoming more common that they're understanding it and it's like oh okay i'm showing up for maybe we're marketing it more whatever we were doing people more and more participation in events were going out i think ship meta was a big driver for engagement that also inc- increased the um participation in the events considerably motivation is a great driver for for events and that's what we're trying to do we're trying to motivate players and say you know come and play the game and we will give you something good can you take a moment to explain what you mean by ship meta and also quick follow-up will the buyout prices be consistent for every event or will those fluctuate i'll answer the second one first the buyout prices will not be consistent because this is a 30-day event for a ship and so if we had a 21-day event for an item it wouldn't be $30. It wouldn't be $60. It'd be whatever that price is going to be. It's based on time. It's time and it's time and price. And so um, they're kind of go hand in hand. So a shorter event will be less. And what ship meta, my member ship meta, which was the, the last, what we just ending now, I think I can't remember where it's, it's three featured TFO events would earn a, if you did three in a row, you'd earn that coupon for a hundred percent off a ship in the ship store. That's that's what we call shipment. I don't I don't I guess that's not a public name as we turn it, internally call it that. We we probably will do something like that again. That will not be a part of this event because this event already comes with a ship. But we will probably do something like that again uh, in the future. The system supports that. Can't you know rolling over progress through multiple events to earn a larger prize. And the system supports the idea of having multiple events running if we want to have multiple events running as opposed to just one event or or different types of events. Um, so maybe one might be a mycelium event and then a featured TFO, which has a meta prize in it, and then maybe a summer event. And so maybe the ship meta events pauses and then the summer event comes in, uh, but you still maintain your progress for the other one. Rikers uh, had a question specifically regarding the TFO tokens that we currently have. Uh, what will happen to those? 
uh, going forward? Sure, that's that's a very good question. Um, you will not lose value for those. So I, I'm going to be a little bit coy, but don't throw them away. Mm-hmm. Don't throw them away. Keep them. We will give you credit for them in some form at a soon-to-be-announced date. They will not be applied to this to this mycelium event, but you will get credit for them. You will. You, we're not going to do anything silly like give you, like, energy credits or something stupid like that. Right, um, right. We will give you what you paid for. We will get you the right the, the credit on why you bought them. It will be applied right. at a future event that we're not we're not announcing specifically right now. Right now, we just want to just focus on the new system. Get everyone to focus on this one, and then um, we will honor those. I'll just say that. The last few questions that we've got, uh, again, are coming from uh, players and members. And uh, one of them is from Krieger. To be honest, actually, he's not alone in this. And there's quite a few people wondering about this. Is it absolutely necessary for the splash screen to pop up every time you switch characters? I don't know. I don't really think about the splash screen. It's not one of my... It's not one of the things that I really play, uh, you know have much to do with. I think the, the splash screen is, based, is actually customized per character, so what you see on there is different, and it is still a feature that is continuing worked on, so based on that character, you will see different things. It is there to direct people to what they need, whether it's whatever it's gameplay or what we think they may need you know, or want and desire in the store. I don't really have much to say about it. It's, it's, it's partly a marketing tool. It's partly a game direction tool. I don't switch characters that much myself, so I've never really thought about it personally. But it's a little outside of what I what I do. Next one is from uh, Selic, uh, and uh, I can actually chime in on this one as well. Back this one up. Um, given the popularity of Quark's Lucky Seven uh, from last year's expansion, is there any plans to add? more Ferengi content, uh, whether that be a story Ferenginar, mission. Ferenginar! Ferenginar, yes. Ferenginar. Um, maybe Ferenginar for 10th year anniversary? Casino World? This this falls into the realm of, of questions like, when when are you going to do this thing that I want, right? So, I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't know, man. We're always, we're, we're, we, we have a current story arc that's, uh, we've actually already, you know, started it's just, it's currently, you, you, you know it as Mirror of Discovery. That Mirror of Discovery arc is going to disappear and it's going to be replaced with, with a whole new story arc called Jewelist, Jewelist Discovery. It starts with the two Tilly episodes. This is our 2410 Discovery-themed content. So the two t- the two Killy episodes at Pavo, and then now um, Beneath the Skin with Anthony Rapp, which will then kind of continue this story. And then the story, that'll be the story going forward for the next you know few releases probably most of next year um that's that's where we're we're directing i mean will we do more frankie stuff of course i have no idea when that will be there's such a wealth of new stuff right now i mean for 10 years we've been writing stories from tng and ds9 and voyager and enterprise and kelvin and and tos so so for 10 years we're doing this now we have this wealth of of stuff of characters and stories and places and gear to draw from it's like a candy store because after 10 years like what are we going to do next right we, were, we had a few more stories to do but it was getting harder to come up with new stuff is that the candy store now available because of the merger no 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 i mean nothing's really changed for us we've had access to to everything but i mean the, the candy store being the new shows that are on cbs so now we have 
two years of Discovery stuff to draw from. I mean, there's things we haven't touched in the Discovery arc, like the Baku or the Kelpians or the giant space ball thing, right? The Red Angel suits and time travel and, and with from that and the planet with the church that Pike went to and Pike stories. And so there's all kinds of things to, to tap into. We can't keep up now. And now Picard's coming out soon. And then there'll be a Section 31 show. And then there'll be two animated shows. And then another season of each one of those. So we're just, you know, we plan our stuff out for the year. And then as, Disco- as not Discovery, as CBS keeps sending us new stuff. You know, spending it, not just us, but I mean, is releasing new stuff for the world. It's like, oh, what opportunity can we can we dive into there? We're also working really closely with IDW Comics and how we can kind of cross-platform stuff between each other. So we want to do all the things. We can't do all the things, and we find what is what is the opportunity and what makes sense to do next based on where our story arc goes, because we don't like to do... Hey, this month we're just going to do a Kardashian story. Next month we'll do a Borg story. And then the next month after that we'll do a Ferengi story. And then we'll do this. It has to be cohesive. We do arcs. And so where the arcs take us, that's where we'll go. When, When that means we'll go to any particular piece of content... Who's to say? Well, I'm to say, but um, who's to tell? It won't be me. We'll we'll see where that goes, and and we will always continue to try to bring you great stories to represent all eras and all types of Star Trek for everyone. I'm sure we will see all the things that you, you that, that everyone wants, including Ferengi stuff again in the future. Aaron Eisenberg has become a really good pal of mine, and I and I know he's dying to come back into the game, and so I'm sure that opportunity will come around sometime. Well, Al, I want to thank you so very much for stopping by on such short notice to talk about the upcoming changes to Star Trek Online. We're looking forward to the mycelial event uh, next week, and we hope to talk to you again soon. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you wanted to, to, to bring up to us? Oh, there's lots of stuff to talk about, but I really just wanted to make sure I answered all questions, make sure under, everyone understood what to expect with the, from, the, from the event system. Um, and so that was my goal, and I think we covered that. I'm sure once everyone gets their hands on everything, they'll have more questions, and I'll come back and answer those. Well, thank you so very much for joining us on this episode of Priority One. We look forward to having you back soon. Oh, I look forward to being back. Well, that wraps up our weekly recap of Star Trek Gaming. Now, let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Last week's first community question was, with Star Trek Picard soon to air, how would you feel about another next-gen spinoff? particularly Star Trek Wharf, which is what we were talking about last week. From Facebook, Scott Parkinson says, I would be more excited about a Wharf show than Picard. While I love Patrick Stewart, he's getting old. Wharf would be young enough to have some awesome action. Sign me up. Truth be told, that is not fair. That is ageism at its best, and I will not support it. It is... Patrick Stewart is certainly young enough to get up on stage and and perform circles around some of the best actors out there. I mean, personally, I would much rather have a old man Picard show than an old man Worf. It's not like the same thing because you know Klingons live a long time. Right, they go they go, they go a long way. I I don't think it matters if Picard's getting old because he's awesome. Yes. From Twitter, Nikki Winters writes. 
I don't know about a Worf spinoff, but I wouldn't mind a Deanna Troy or a Borg spinoff that included Seven of Nine. Or maybe just get all of the amazing women of Star Trek together and have them do a show. I agree. That could be pretty good. I would watch that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Tyler Maxwell wrote in the comments section, If this is the Captain Worf show idea that has floated around for some years, then my feelings are meh. As much as I like Dorn's work and love Worf, the idea of Worf having his own ship and crew doesn't grab me. Maybe if it was about him as ambassador to the Klingons and BFF to Chancellor Martok dealing with Klingon internal politics and the upcoming downfall of the Empire, as predicted by Esri Dax, I'd be interested. But then, I suppose the diplomacy talky Trek stuff would be more Star Trek Picard content anyways. Tyler, you took the words right out of my mouth, really. I mean... So, uh, it's interesting, too, is that I just finished rereading the Countdown series that IDW published prior to the, or in conjunction with, the 2009 Star Trek. For those of you unawares, this series of comic books gave a, was a precursor to what took place to trigger the Kelvin timeline. If you are at all confused as to what happened and where the Kelvin timeline lives in the Star Trek multiverse, I strongly encourage you to pick up the Countdown comics by IDW. But in, in that series of books, Worf has a place, and then in Star Trek Online, he's ambassador. I, I, would, I, would, dig a, I would dig a show like that. That'd be okay with me. But again, I'm meh. The second community question last week was, what do you think of STO opening up Romulan starships to other factions? From Facebook, Dan Kanescu says, STO opening up warbirds for the other factions is pretty cool. However, I kind of feel it breaks immersion a little bit. I wouldn't imagine a Vulcan flying a Romulan ship, but I'll take it. More Admiralty ships for everyone. Well, all right, so here's the thing about immersion is that there are Vulcan captains flying Federation ships. Vulcans don't fly just Vulcan ships. Why is it okay to have a Vulcan a Vulcan captain flying a Federation ship? Because Vulcans are part of the Federation and Romulans aren't. But the Romulan Republic is an ally, I guess, sort of. Yeah, all right, I, all right, fine. You know, but my Vulcan's not going to fly a Romulan ship, so just don't fly it then. If you want right, immersion, so. I mean, my Vulcan flies a Vulcan ship, so there. I, I do agree that uh, more Admiralty ships for everyone. Definitely. Yes, Admiralty ships. That's another. I mean, Holy crap, Winter. Just claim it. Get the Admiralty. Aspect. Yeah, just claim it. Get the Admiralty. You don't have to keep the ship. Just yep. get it. Dismiss That's it. That's a whole different point yep. right there. A whole sub game to the to Star Trek Online. Get all your spec points. From Twitter, Hayden Jones says Elijah was correct. Cryptic needs to see a return on investment for creating new ROM ships, and I suspect that the number of ROM captains, of which I am one, prevents this. Opening the ships to all captains is a good way forward and seems to fit STO's storyline. Well said, Hayden. Well said, Mr. Jones. From Twitter, Cookie says, not to be confused with Cookie Cupcakes, I'm all game for the Romulan ships opening up for all factions. I still need to start that nonsense. My only complaint is that they also didn't increase the maximum number of active ship slots we have. 400 dry dock slots do not work for me. 
You get 400 dry dock slots? No way. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think... Really? Well, that's what you can expand it to. Oh, because... That was the whole idea of the dry dock slots, because dry dock doesn't take up as much... It doesn't have as as big of a data footprint, because there's no gear on it. It's just the ship. Um, Right. When you take a ship that's in your normal slots, you know, you have all the weapons, you have the gear, you have the consoles, you have the devices. There's a big data footprint there. Um, so they came up with this really clever idea, dry dock. And you take all that stuff off and you can keep a bunch of ships on your Even character. still, though, I just dismiss those ships, well, I guess, if they're sea store ships. Right. But I certainly wouldn't have 100 lockbox ships. But whatever. If you need 400 dry dock slots, go ahead. From Twitter, Jason Smith says, It's nice we can use ships on different factions, but if they wanted players to be Romulans, they might have done more Romulan arc stories. I like what they did, but once you're done with the arc story and pick a faction, you end up at the beginning of that faction's arc. You start to lose interest in that because it feels so fed or KDF, not Romulan. I agree, Jason, because, yeah, once you finish those first missions and then you're stuck with one faction or the other, it's not any different than having one of those characters. Well, Captains, that wraps up episode 428 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list Then, be sure to subscribe and share them with all of your friends. But we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters. Diana Gunther, Darnell Dwayne Ross, David K. Rutley, Joshua Selig, and Peter Archibald. Thanks! Before we go, here's our community questions for this week. Which approach to Star Trek storytelling do you prefer? Morality plays? An optimistic approach? A darker tone? Action-packed? thoughtful let us know would you pay 6000 zen to instantly unlock event rewards if not what would you pay and will you complete most of the event progress using the episode the tfo or the patrols captains it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation leave us a comment on our website at priorityonepodcast.com on our facebook page at facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast or find us on twitter and instagram at priority one pod and don't miss a thing from the star trek multiverse catch our episodes every friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to priority one a roddenberry star trek podcast You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 11 p.m. Eastern on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Admiral Winters and me and the Priority One Armada Saturday nights. The Armada broadcasts live to review the latest Star Trek Online and Armada news as well as spotlight some of the amazing members in our community. Each week we team up with you the viewers to earn things like reputation marks and dilithium. With regular giveaways, there's something for all STO players, new and old. 
Follow us on our social media accounts for broadcast times. And if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. And even if you can't make a financial contribution, the best thing you can do is spread the word about this show. Invite your fellow Trekkies to get their weekly roundup of news right here on Priority One. It's support like that that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sim, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including William Hardy, Brandon Parker, Rand Hurl, Daniel Stevens, Roscoe McQueen, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer Jake Morgan for assisting in the production of our weekly show, with support from community manager Shane Hoover. Thanks to our graphic artist, Henry Pomper, with support from Jason Smith of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Engage. I'm sorry, Winters, but every time you talk, all I'm going to be watching are the kittens fighting in the background. <laughs> that's it. It's that's today is going to be the kitten show. That's delightful. The show. I all I could do is look at that. That's I just told adorable. him we could get all kinds of viewers if we had kitten cam. <laughs> Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us. Wait, are you kidding? <clears throat> <clears throat> <laughs> Yeah, good. Right. Try that again. <coughs> Could you die quietly, please? It's killing me, Smalls. <laughs> I can hear it in your voice. It's like, it's like, <laughs> that reminds me of that episode of Rick and Morty. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just clean. Just. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> oh my god, I love that show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying. Uh, good times. <laughs> <clears throat> Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice. <laughs> Don't <laughs> <I> <laughs> <get>. <laughs> 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 no, 
Don't make the dogs bark. Jeez, I'm we've sorry. had a quiet <laughs> night so far. <laughs> Captains. <coughs> Dang it. Research and search. Oh, <laughs> Research and search. Uh, I was I was committed. Something, yeah. something doesn't sound right. Eight Alachi disruptor we weapon packs. Cool. Uh, let me start that again. Mmm, tier six goulash. <laughs> I love goulash. Goulash is delicious. Mmm. You sound like. <laughs> Lemonhead. <laughs> okay. From Facebook. No, no more Worf. Go ahead. <laughs> From Facebook, Scott Parkinson says. No, you have to say it with your voice. <laughs> it's not, use your use your outside voice. Use your laser tag voice. <laughs> <laughs> laser tag. <laughs> From Facebook. Okay. Um. Uh, okay. I. This is not. I am not bashing. No, you know. What? I'm not even gonna say it. Here from Facebook. <coughs> Before I die. Uh, Hold on. Excuse me. <coughs> this is why I need more wine. Good. Uh, from Facebook, Dan Konescu. 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 I if 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 immersion's uh, your Vulcan thing, brings all the ships to the yard. <laughs> live long and prosper, damn right! I live long <laughs> and prosper. <laughs> From Twitter, Hayden Jones says Elijah was correct. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Cryptic needs to see a return. <laughs> oh, and it's the me. Last one's you. <laughs> I can't read podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network